message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakingDeacon.com All right, Father, please get me out of the way that your truth would be lifted up and you would be glorified. The saints would understand and obey through the power of the Holy Spirit. And to in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's something cool. We're going to do, I'm going to go through the intros of four letters. Just the intros. And um, it's going to start off with some light fare. And then you're going to see that the main courses are going to come out in just the intros of these four letters. That's why it's called Introducing James, Jude, 1 Peter, and Romans. Now, the cool thing about scriptures is back in the day, you know, people like to say, well, man just wrote the Bible, blah, blah, blah. All right? Bunch of nonsense for people who hate God and are looking for excuses to be evil, love their sin, hate their God. But the fact is, the books of the Bible told the people which books they were. And you're going to see how four of them identified themselves. The group that got together to put the Bible together said, which books are saying, we're the books? That's really... And these books, what we really mean are letters. Letters to the local churches at the beginning of the church age, within a decade of Jesus' ascension into heaven. Because you've got to remember, some of the people in these who, who are wrote these letters like First Peter, watched Jesus, the glorified Jesus, after his resurrection, float up to heaven. He watched him go boop and disappear in the clouds. He saw it. All right? Now, these letters you're going to see is how they're connected together. But when you're reading your Bible, never just pick and choose a verse. Start at the beginning of that little letter, and you want to know a couple things. Who wrote it? Who wrote that letter? It's a big idea, you know, pretty common. Who did they write it to? Um, when was it written? And why was it written? A lot of your Bibles already have that information at the beginning of their Bible. If you don't have those Bibles, you can go to a Christian bookstore and buy one. Getting this inform- For me, I just picked it off offline. It wasn't difficult. That information is abundant for Christians other than any other generation. So we always want to know these things when reading our Bibles because it puts things in context. That's how you know if you're listening to a real minister or someone who's not. All right, Someone who's giving you a bunch of malarkey and trying to spin Bible verses. So the first book we're going to look at is the book of James. Now this is a cool book. And um, I'm going to give you some background information because we want to know, well, who is James? And why is he in the Bible? Why is he considered one of the New Testament books? Well, there's a lot of gobbledygook that I cut and paste. And I'm just going to read it to you, don't worry. This looks like a lot. But this is James, the brother of Jesus. You know, the creator of the universe, Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus. All right. Now, um, only Catholicism and Greek Orthodox might struggle with James, a brother of Jesus, simply because they believe Mary was a perpetual virgin. 
even though the scriptures concisely say that she didn't know Joseph till after she birthed Jesus and then had children, even though the scriptures say that they reject that because they need to make Mary um, extra super holy or sinless so that she can be sinless and have a sinless Jesus. Well, then what about Mary's mother? Does she have to be sinless to have a sinless Mary to have a sinless Jesus? And what about Mary's grandmother? Does she have to be sinless to have a sinless mother to have a sinless Mary to have a sinless Jesus? When does it end? All right. The fact is, Scripture tells us that Mary had children. Jesus had half-brothers, technically, because Joseph is not Jesus' father. God is. Okay? So... He is the younger brother of Jesus, and he did not believe in Jesus until Jesus came back from the grave. He watched his brother die, and then three days later came back to life. Okay, I believe you now. Right? It was one of those things. And he wrote a book, and we'll see it in a minute, but you won't get this in your Bible unless you've got a Bible that has an intro of who James is. But I want to show you that it isn't just the book of James that mentions James as Jesus' brother, but here's some other places where it's mentioned. The Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew also mention as James as Jesus' brother. Here's the quote. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him because Jesus is claiming, hey, I'm Jesus, the Son of God. Eh, we know your parents, Jesus. We know your brothers. We know your sisters. Okay? So who you're calling yourself what? You understand? And that's why they were offended at him, Jesus, after identifying his family. All right? We'll just leave it there. I think it explains itself. The Gospel of John never mentions anyone called James, but mentions Jesus' unnamed brothers as being present, present with Mary and Jesus when they are at the wedding of Canaan. That's where Jesus did his first miracle. And it was Jesus' mother who told Jesus to say, Hey, they ran out of wine. Do something. you got superpowers. And Jesus is like, Hey, it ain't my time, but I will obey my parents. Bam, the best wine wasn't brought out until they were out of the other stuff. All right? And then John 2.12, And later the brothers did not believe him. Talking about the brothers of Jesus. So here's all these references to Jesus' brothers. Here's another one out of Galatians 1.18. Um, and of course, Galatians was written to the Galatians by Paul. I'm just getting to the quick to the point. Then after three years, Paul writes, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Caiaphas, or Cephas, which is Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Any problems with that? This is Scripture. This is what the Protestant churches and the Catholic churches all deem as the Word of God. Do we have an argument? Do we have a case? There it is. So now, let's go to the book of James. James 1. Who wrote the book of James? Let's look at the first sentence. James, a servant of God. Alright? Do we know who wrote it? James. Why? There he is. He's introducing himself. 
A servant. I highlighted this word servant because in all your English translations, this is wrong. The Greek word is doulos. It means slave. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersions. Greetings. Pretty simple, right? That's not a deep theology, right? Okay? But, first of all, I just want to point out, he's identifying two of the three trinity. So if you've got any Jehovah Witness in your background, here's two of the three in the trinity. God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is not His last name. It means Messiah, Anointed One. The One who saves, Yeshua, the Anointed One, Lord and God. Whoa, hey, now it's pretty cool, right? To the twelve tribes of the dispersion. Hmm, do we know anything? Does, does the Old Testament mention anything about twelve tribes? Twelve tribes would be what nation? Who? Israel. Israel. Jewish. Jewish people. But of the dispersion, what does that mean? You have to know what's going on, and so I'll, we'll go to it. Acts chapter 8 tells us what's going on. Verse 1, Saul, who later became Paul, approved of his execution, which was Stephen, who was giving the gospel. Jews didn't like it. They killed him with rocks. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea Samaria, and Samaria except the apostles. The great dispersion is when the Jewish Christians were attacked by the Jews who were not following their Messiah and scattered them. We had enough of you Christians healing people and being nice and giving to the poor and accepting people who are broken. We had enough of this. We're going to kill you. And that's what they began to do. And Saul was leading the charge. You following me? Trying to make this case. Now we're going to go to James, verse 2. Part of the intro. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So he introduces himself and he gets right to it. He's talking to Christians who've paid the price. Then talking about baptism. A Jew believing in Jesus Christ was baptized immediately. The family said, are you crazy? And they said, you either come back and be a full Jew or you're out, mister, missus. You lost the family inheritance. And now we've got everybody after you. You're going to jail and if we have to, we'll kill you. Can come back to the Jewish faith or you're dead. Wow. Alright? We saw you get baptized. We saw Peter baptize you. You're dead meat. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For, the, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, perseverance, maturity, strength, 
I don't care what the government says, I follow Jesus. Right? We should all be able to do that. So, we know right off the bat that James is trying to encourage people who paid the price for following Jesus. So that's why he wrote it. And we know who he wrote it to. Now Jude. Okay? Who's Jude? What's that about? Let's look at his intro. Well, it says Jude, servant. Again, that's the Greek for doulos, which means slave of Jesus Christ and brother to James. What? Jude is James' brother, which would make Jude Jesus' brother. Good job. Excellent. Isn't that cool? Now, here these imagine when they're selecting the, the letters of the Bible, of the New Testament, this, this councils together. How do we know which letters are from God? How do we know which ones are canon? The measurement of all letters. They identified themselves. James said, Hey, this is James writing to the church. Let me encourage you in Jesus. Clearly, he's, he counts. Right? Jude is identifying himself as James' brother. Do you see the connection? The, the, oh, the New Testament books are interwoven through each other. They comment about each other. They talk about each other. And they declare ultimate authority in Christ. And then on top of that, if you read them, you will see that it is spot on what's really going on in the world. And no other religious books gives this insight other than the collections from the Bible. So here's what he says. Um, first he identifies who he is. To those who are called. Who are called. Beloved of God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Is he talking to all people? He's talking to Christians. And he's identifying them as those who are called. Beloved of the Father and kept for Jesus. Kept. You're kept not only through Jesus, but for Jesus. Remember that song? And both songs we sang today talked about the bride of Christ. Do you know who the bride of Christ is? Us. That's right. Look around you. This is the bride of Christ. This cacophony of craziness. Us people in this room, right? You're prepared for Jesus. You're washed white and pure by His sacrifice, by His blood. We're for Him. We're His prize. We're Jesus' prize. Poor Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm keeping that one. That's staying on that. Re- All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Love it. All right, verse 2 and 3. Excellent. You know, in the Muppet Show, Fozzie Bear had the two old guys in the balcony, but I have you. (laughs) All right, I love it. That was a compliment. Verse 2 and 3. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Now, stop right there. Even as a 20-something-year-old, when I was first reading that, that sounds like boring mumbo jumbo flubber nutter nothingness to me. Because, you know, if you've watched any of the RNC, 
the Republican National Convention, the only thing I saw was a Greek Orthodox closing in prayer on one of the nights. Because I just wanted to hear if he would utter the name Jesus, which he didn't. National television, that's all I would be saying! I would love to close a prayer on national television or open a prayer. Man! And this guy got up there and said a bunch of this. Peace, unity, and love for all. Amen. Oh, is he done? I fell asleep the moment he breathed. Right? But that's not what he's talking about. This mercy is God not giving us His wrath that we deserve. I love God's mercy because I so deserve His wrath. Peace. Peace inside with God the Father. He belongs to me through Jesus. I belong to Him even though I don't deserve it. My life has purpose and meaning. I'm at peace even when the world's not. And it's not my peace. It's not me. It's Jesus and His love be multiplied, not added, multiplied to you. And then he writes this. We get an idea of his purpose. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, let's talk about Jesus. You're going to heaven, you're going to heaven, yeah, let's have a party. He wants to talk about that, but instead... I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend for it. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise that you aren't going to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You belong to Christ and they stink. They need Jesus too. Else they're not going to heaven. Right? Amen. You contend for the faith and for all that it stands for that was once for all delivered to the saints. You, in Christ, are a saint. And no council needs to deem you a saint and make a little medallion of you. Alright? You're a saint in Jesus. Okay, that's the light fair. You ready? Now it's going to like, what? First Peter. Now Peter is an apostle. He was with Jesus from the beginning. He was a blue-collar worker, a cussing, nasty mouth, dirty joke-telling dude that Jesus says, you're going to lead my church. Huh? Right? Can you imagine that? As a matter of fact, you remember what Jesus said to what Peter said to Jesus when he called him? He says, "God, I, I can't follow you. I'm totally unworthy of you." I'm, I think he may even mentioned his coarse joking, but he said he was unworthy, and Jesus says, "No, I got a plan for you, man. Let's go." First Peter 1:1. 1, 1. Peter, who's writing this letter? Hey, and who is he? He's an apostle. He's one of the twelve of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithany. So now, 
First, here we are, the council of men deciding which books belong in the Bible. Does 1 Peter belong? Does it have some pretty decent authority to it? Was it an eyewitness account of Jesus? Is this guy, was he there? There through it all. There it is. This book jumped out at them. Hey, I'm part of the Bible because I wrote it, right? (laughs) There it is, the Holy Spirit working through Peter. And look what he says. To those who are elect. That's a pesky word. Some people don't like election. I'm... I, I, I weep for joy at the idea of election. That God picked me despite me, not wanting Him. Alright? I grew up not wanting Him. Because that's not where the party is. What does God know about fun? Right? I got my own plans for fun. And it rhymes with dumb. Alright? <laughs> elect exiles. Because they are Jews who lost their place in society and were kicked out in all these different places. So he's writing to them. Now get this. So far, we're on one sentence. This is all still part of Peter's first sentence. According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit... For obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. One sentence. There's your theology. Now it's like, here comes the main course, right? And we haven't even gotten to Romans yet. According to the foreknowledge of God, that means pre-planning. That means before the worlds were made, God said, I'm going to create you and I'm going to use you to give me glory. Yeah, but but awesome, right? And who would want otherwise? Of God the Father, sanctification of the Spirit, that's a capital S, Holy Spirit. Sanctification means, oh, you want to go with dumb, dumb land? Nope, I got a better plan, here you go. Sanctification, He pulls you out. He separates you from the rest of the world. And for, for obedience to Jesus. How do we obey Jesus? We read His Bible. He tells us what to do. We say, yes, sir. And for the sprinkling of His blood, that means you're justified That means you're not guilty anymore of your sin before God the Father. Because it's only His blood that can do that. You cannot do that, right? And don't I try to mention the gospel every week to help you relax that your works aren't going to do it? Relax. You stink. It's okay. It's all about what Jesus did for you and me. Relax. The sprinkling of His blood justifies us to God the Father, not our works. And then, that's what grace means. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. You got it? Cool? That foreknowledge means forethought, pre-arrangement, chosen for a purpose. I know I'm overloading you. I can see it. Hold on. This is this is hard to digest. Blood. Did I go backwards? No. No, No, I didn't. You're right. Verse (laughs) 3. This is his second sentence. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Who caused you to be born again? You? If you think you did, you disagree with God. He has caused us to be born again. To a, I hope so. I hope I go to heaven. I hope it happens. A living hope. That means it's definite. Why is it definite and why is it living? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's why our most celebrated holiday is not Christmas, but Easter. Because Jesus rose from the grave and said, Nothing holds me down. That's Jesus. No, death. Let's get out of here, death. Right? Resurrection from the dead. He's alive. We will be alive. But he goes on to an inheritance. Now, some of you might think, well, if we die, nobody knows for sure if we go to heaven or whatnot. But look what Peter writes. To an inheritance. Do you earn an inheritance? If you did, it wouldn't be inherited, would it? Okay? So, what, what is this inheritance like? That is imperishable. Can the imperishable perish? No. Okay, so it's imperishable. Undefiled, meaning it's pure. It's amazing. Okay, here's an example. Caitlin is not here today because she's in Disneyland. She's with her friends. Last week, she was so excited to go to Disneyland. Right? I mean, that's the wonderfulest place on earth. or the happiest place on earth, right? Or is that Walmart? No, that's a different slogan. I'm just kidding. She's looking forward to this and she's experiencing this amazing place. But that's earth. That's earth. That's perishable. That's defiled. It's not perfect. But something's coming for us that is not only imperishable, undefiled, it's unfading, kept in heaven for you. Disneyland for us has not begun yet. How many are getting tired of this life? Wearing you down a bit? Right? It's supposed to. God wants to make sure you hate it here. Because Disneyland isn't here. It's coming, though. It's coming. Now, thankfully, God's going to carry us there. It's all on His ticket. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, at the last day, God's going to say, You want to know what it's all about? Everybody living and dead is going to see what it was all about. Those who rejected, those who accepted, everyone's going to see it because it will be revealed in the end. But for those of us who get it, God's already told us. And there it is. A salvation. How's that? One more course. You ready? Can you hold on? Oh, I'll try. This is Romans 1. Now, everything you're about to see, a disclaimer is one sentence. Paul's one intro. Let's do it. Romans 1. 
Paul. Do we know who wrote it? Paul. Paul. There we go. Is Paul mentioned in any other book of the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. Acts. Right? We just saw how Paul was Saul in Acts. Um, Paul mentions Peter. Peter mentions Paul. The men choosing the books of the Bible, did they have trouble finding Romans to be one of the books? Because Peter, an apostle, authorizes Paul. Luke, who was authorized by the apostles to, to write Luke and Acts, talks about Paul and Peter. Okay? So they're, they're interlocking books. It wasn't difficult for the men to say, uh, that's the Bible. Okay? Because of that. Here we go. Paul, a bondservant or slave, doulos. Bondservant is a nice... Euphemism for slave. I want to mention that. Highlight that every time. Of Jesus. All these people are calling themselves slaves of Jesus. Except for Peter, who said he was an apostle. Called to be an apostle. Set apart for the gospel of God. What's gospel mean? Two words. Good news. Which... He promised beforehand through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What is He talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament, which is about 80% of your Bible is Old Testament. His prophets in the Holy Scriptures beforehand talking about a promise. What promise is this? Concerning His Son, Jesus who was descended from David according to the flesh, declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's His intro. How about some theology there? And He's still in the one sentence. We haven't come to a period yet. This is His intro. Now look, declared to be the Son of God in power. Jesus did miracles according to the Spirit, that's Holy Spirit, of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. Okay? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Is He your boss? Do you do what He says? Same sentence, here we go. Through whom... Now he's given the gospel. We have received grace and apostleship, talking about the apostles, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. He's doing all this theology, setting up the authority given them to give the gospel about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. How's that? Holding on? Now, just in case you're feeling a little left out, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Okay? We're at verse 6. We're still on Paul's first sentence. And he just gave all this theology, including you who are called to belong to to Jesus. Are you called to belong to Jesus? Do you know it? I want to talk to the men in this room. 
Do you know you belong to Jesus? Man up! Do you belong to Jesus? Could you stand up and say, I belong to Jesus? Can you do that? Ladies, can you do that? I like to pick on the men, because in our generation, we got a fight of fights to be the most responsible, crazy Jesus followers ever. Because we only have our time. To those in Rome, who's Paul writing to? Which Christians? The ones in Rome. Who are loved by God and called to be saints. So Christians are allowed to be called by saints. Look at that, it's in the Bible. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. (gasps) The period. Verse 7. Seven verses. Do you belong to Christ? How do you identify yourself? Okay? I'm going to pick on the big popular sin of homosexuality because there's even a Christian group out there trying to call themselves homosexual Christians. And why am I picking on that is because why would anyone want to identify themselves by their sin? I'm a lying Christian. I'm a thieving Christian. Right? Why would anybody want to identify themselves with their sin? What's your pet sin? Do you want to label yourselves the sin then a Christian? No way. If the sin comes before Christian, then you're not a Christian. Jesus died for all our sins. All of it. I don't want anybody to talk about my sins. I don't want anyone to think about my sins. And I don't want you to really worry about your sins other than learn to hate your sin. Hate it. It is not your friend. Right? Do you find your true identity in Jesus? That's where we end. Father, thank you for all that good stuff. Amen. I hope the saints got it. And I hope they got excited because of it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakingdeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Speakingdeacon.com. Truth is here.